Welcome inside Rockstars. Today with a very special topic, Pricing Software Explained by Ingo Reinhardt. Let me introduce Ingo real quick. Dr. Ingo Reinhardt is the co-founder of Binomics, a revenue and pricing optimization software that raised just recently Series A funding. Congrats, Ingo. Before Binomics, Ingo was a senior director with Simon Kutron Partners, the world's largest pricing consultancy. He holds a PhD in management and master in mathematics. He was a postdoc at the University of Oxford and published in the renowned Strategic Management Journal. Welcome, Ingo. Thanks for having me. Ingo, we met actually four years ago at... Uh, the famous summer party of Simon Kutra partner. Do you remember? Certainly. <laughs> Almost <laughs> like it was yesterday. And we also met, I think, this year, right? on this, At the summer party. Exactly, exactly. So that's where we first met. And I really remember I asked you, hey, actually, you just resigned and uh, formed the Binomics. And I asked yourself, that's that's a difficult task to, to build and launch and grow a pricing software company, but you are you were so relaxed and you seem to be very confident that this will fly. How did you know that this will fly four years ago? Well, of, of course, you, you can't know that, that, that it will fly. And there are, of course, many dimensions to, to founding a company, one of them being like certain about the, the method, which, which we were, but there are lots of unknown unknowns that things you, you cannot know when, when you build a company. But I would say I was very certain that the, the method would work. Um, so I've, I've worked in, in, in the field in pricing. You mentioned it for more than nine years. So I've, I've seen many of the challenges and also where uh, traditional methods and tools aren't really up to fully up to the task. And I've also worked on innovations, building new methods and concepts in the university. And therefore, I was very, very certain that, that it would work on that side. And um, so if you already have one uncertainty off the table, um, it, it's easier to, to, to tackle the rest. But, but still, it's, um, it, 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 it has been a wild ride, I would say, so far. Um, but we're okay. We're, I think we're on a pretty good track. And I think one of the early thoughts that we had was, um, I mean, life is essentially an option, right? Um, and you have, I don't know, smaller lines attacking like the, the, the large line, even if they have limited chances, uh, because nature doesn't make a difference between failing and, and, and not trying, really. That was an important idea to me. Uh, and that's why we thought, okay, it's, it's now or never. I've really prepared like with the, the, the stuff that I studied in university, practical experience that we gained. I'm not going to be better in anything than than this right now. And it, it's it's essentially now or never, right? I take this quote with me. Nature doesn't differentiate between failing and not trying. Ingo, the reason I, I'm so glad uh, and I invited you to join us here is I wanted to detangle the whole topic of pricing software because probably many professionals see it the same as I do. When I look at pricing software landing pages and more and more pricing software coming on the market, it's really hard to differentiate what they do and what the difference is between all the others. And I had the impression there are huge differences, actually, but everything 
every kind of software says the same, hey, we drive profits, we optimize your pricing. So from the far, it seems they do all the same, but they don't. And in this episode, I would love to shed a light on uh, the differences and to make the user have 10,000 feet view on the, on the whole subject. So, I mean, there's, you could have the view and probably many, if you're looking from 10,000 feet, people might think that, okay, pricing is just about, do I increase the price by 5%, 7%, 10, whatever, how, how hard can that be? But if you, if you go in, in, into the details, the, the field is, I would say it's as broad as transportation, right? So in transportation, you have companies building like ball bearings, you have companies operating taxis, companies building rockets, and it's all transportation in a sense, right? And in pricing, you have a wide variety of challenges and, and, and solutions. So that range from gathering data. For example, you have companies that run like bots on the internet that collect competitor prices and, and availability of products, these, these type of things you have in the pricing software field companies that offer price management essentially for companies that have a large portfolio of products and they need to be able to efficiently, let's say, price all their blue products 5% above all their red products or similar things. So they need to be able to manage and efficiently increase, decrease, or differentiate their prices. Then you have companies who assess customer preferences. They run surveys, um, traditionally a lot offline um, and now increasingly online. Um, they they under, try to understand how, compet how, how customers or shoppers react to price changes. So you have all of these different methods. You have, for example, also things like uh, an automation in pricing. So if, for example, you're a company that that has a sales force of a couple hundred or thousand uh, salespeople, and um, you want to have a consistent pricing across your team that's of obviously massively supported by some some software that that tells them okay if this is the situation then your price should be 100 whereas if you have this type of situation uh, you should price at 90 or 110 um so th there are all of these areas and and the area i would say where we're in is more in the optimization field and essentially what and i think we'll, we'll go into more details about that is that we offer transparency and what and how customers or demand will react if you change something in a price or in an offer you take you remove a product from from your portfolio or add a product what will happen and with that transparency customers can make better decisions because they know if they add a product they will be they will that will increase their revenue for example it might reduce their profit and so on so in in essence we offer transparency and that of course can be used for optimization so um i would say as i said that it's a, it's a wide range of of topics from collecting data managing automation to which i think is the most difficult of those the the price optimization or, or revenue optimization more generally you know let let's dive a bit deeper on the beginning on the challenges which are behind those fields so i understood basically there's of course information gathering but there is management which it means that you need to manage a huge complexity of prices and then you mentioned salesforce basically where you need to manage the complexity of individual price negotiations and then there is the topic of uh, price optimization and simulation which probably also can be differentiated in 
dynamic pricing eventually versus pri uh, finding price general price moves of general list prices. So from this perspective, what are the different basic needs and in which industry can you find those needs? That, that, that's a very, uh, <laughs> a very broad question, right? So the way we often see it is that you, you have a degree of complexity and complexity com can come in in the form of a large portfolio. It can come in in the form of many customers who require differentiated prices, what you would typically have in a B2B environment where you have individual negotiations on the price. Um, so that, that adds to complexity much more, of course, in a, than in a situation where, I don't know, you're a Netflix, you have I don't know, 250 or something million customers, but within each country, they're more or less all pay the same, right? This is much, I would say, in a sense, more, more uh, simple because you, you don't have to differentiate the prices. So software tends to gravitate to areas with high complexity. That's I think that's my, my perception of the field, um, that, that most suppliers go to areas where you have, um, because you have these individual situations where you need a customer-specific price and you need this many times a day for each sales person and each sales person uh, and you have uh, hundreds or thousands of sales people in a, in, a, in a country those are situations where traditionally i think most of the software solution gravitated to or your i don't know you're an amazon with i don't know tens of millions of products um, and they change you know, probably not all of them but some of them change the price a couple of times a day Th those are obviously situations that that can't be managed manually but require some sort of software that, that steers them. And I think in the simplest way, you have something um, more like rule-based where you have, for example, simple rules. We say, okay, we, we always follow our competitor price. So um, you, ha you have different products and you say, okay, we always stay 2% behind our key, uh, behind the key competitor in the market. You could say something like that, and that's something that can be implemented fairly easily with, with the software much easier than you would do with with people like looking up these numbers and then then changing the price so those i would say are the the key areas where where most also if you look at the landscape without like naming or pointing to specific solutions where many of them gravitate to where you have high complexity either in the form of many products um many price changes dynamic pricing what you would have like in airline industries where where you depending on how the sales goes change the price very frequently or um in areas where you have a lot of differentiation between different different customers uh, as you would have for example in b2b can you get give some examples on where it becomes complex or com uh, complex because just an example i know uh, a brand a small brand of uh, pet food yeah maybe i don't know 40 40 million revenue which is for such a company small but they have yeah they operate in many countries and they therefore they have hundreds or even thousand SKUs, right? So I would. So my my question is, where does it start to become complex? There's obviously not a specific number, right? So if you have a good, better, best offer, then it's certainly not complex. If you're Amazon, you're certainly complex in in, in your offer, and somewhere in between, I would say it, it switches, and the let's say, the probability increases with with the number of products, customers 
who require differentiated prices and and the frequency of price changes i would say maybe i'm not probably complex is not the the right word but it's just the the number of individual price decisions that that need to be made and so for example even if you if you're not aiming for optimization but in the first instance you're aiming for consistency that that's already a value in itself, right? Uh, because then it becomes much easier for the company to to steer. So if you say, okay, in my previous example, where you said, okay, all the, the blue parts are 5% more expensive than the red parts, um, and you figure out that it should actually be 3%, then, and you have a, like a software in place that's much easier to implement than when you have to tell all your team and they, it, it's really difficult in an individual situation that some a blue product costs 17 and to know how much of that it comes from the difference between red and blue, right? So th- that's a place where software obviously makes makes a lot of sense, e- even if it if it's not aiming for for optimization in in these specific cases. What what do companies do when they don't have a pricing software, or what did companies do before they introduced the pricing software? I'd say m- most of them they they had very simple rules, right? So so they they have like some initial. So I've, like previously, I've done like lots of like for example spare parts pricing, where you have huge portfolios. Companies have hundreds of thousands of spare parts, large large automotive companies, for example, and they would have like an initial pricing, maybe something like a cost plus pricing, where you where they know their cost and then they add some some percentage on top, and then over time. They, they essentially increase all prices by three percent or so, right? That and that might produce a number of of problems uh, because their costs change massively, the need for different products changes drastically, and eventually, if you then compare, for example, different countries that priced independently over a longer period of time, many years, you will see that like the same product costs twice or three times as much in one country than than the next in in case spare parts where people don't look too much in the details so you you get these huge differences if you let them run independently that 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 can't be explained right there's there's no reason for it other than that one of them got increased by five percent each year the other by three and that adds up over time right so and and these things they they just produce massive chaos because there's there are very few forces that work against it so one might be like something like a gray market if someone finds it out they buy in the cheaper country and export to the more expensive one but it's with a large portfolio really difficult to figure out where where the flaws are interesting so you you pointed out the different yeah the b- different working fields or tasks of pricing software data gathering managing complexity helping in individual um, negotiations and price optimization. So which companies should and basically do focus on the last part on pricing optimization using pricing software for optimization? So I I would actually say that there is very little software on optimization. Companies that have like... a real optimization in place is when they have products that are super important, like the new iPhone or the new Golf, where they the, the decision is just a multi-billion dollar or euro decision. And it makes a lot of sense also to spend large amounts of money on, on market research and to figure out what's the best way to price these products. Uh, I would say that there, 
the the optimization is is most present because it's really difficult also with many of the traditional tools that we all know price elasticities customer segmentation and so on to be precise in your optimization in in cases where you don't look at because it's it's just the 70,000th most important spare part in your portfolio, right? And it has just a few thousand of revenue per year. So it doesn't make sense to, to look into it. So um, still, I think lots of pricing software mention the term pricing optimization, but in which terms it meets your definition? Because uh, I just once read price optimization, hey, we look at the prices and we look if it is at least this amount above costs or whatever. So they follow some rules yeah, and just the pricing and call this optimization, but it's not the optimization you are meaning, right? No. So I would say optimization. So first of all, when you say price optimization, it's it's not clear what you mean. Is it a profit optimization? Is it revenue optimization? If you talk to someone, they almost always, they mean like, what is it? Um, they mean profitable growth, which is somewhere in between, right? So, yeah. they... <laughs> interesting, good. So you, you need to when you say pr price optimization, you, you need to say what 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 you're actually optimizing. Let's say in in a very simple case where there's just one product, you know everything about the product, then it it's easy to see where the revenue optimum is. It's where price elasticity is minus one, and the profit optimum is where price elasticity times margin is minus one, right? So that's a very simple rule, but it only applies in, in, in a one product case, right? If products are independent. If you have a portfolio, it's already different. Um, if you have competition and they, they might respond to what you do, it's also different, right? So you have these back and forth, for example, in like in the in, in the like the Nash equilibrium case where you have different different parties optimizing their pricing and then the other optimizes again and so on and then at some point you reach an, an equilibrium where, where no one can improve further so that that's how i would what i would call optimization that that you have decided what, what you want to optimize for example just the profit or just the revenue and then you understand how the how the the, the how demand reacts to what you change if you for example change prices what happens if you change your products if you add a product if you remove a product and then you identify of all of these different cases the the case that optimizes your your profit for example that, that that's what i would call optimization i think the term is used more loosely in many cases so for example if you have by whatever means someone estimated a price elasticity let's say it's minus two you have a price of 100 you have costs underneath and then you increase your price by 5%. And if then the profit is higher after these 5%, then the tool suggests increase price by 5% and uh, you increase your profit. But what often you see in these cases is that when they say, okay, we can, we allow prices to change between plus and minus 10%, that often the best case is on the boundary of that, right? Because it's, it's, it's really difficult to find like an inner solution to that uh, where you say, okay, we can increase by up to 10% and then the optimal price increases seven. 